Welcome to another episode of Girl Geek X Podcast, connecting you to the best insight from women in tech. I'm Angie, founder of Girl Geek X. Hi, I'm Sukrita, CTO of Girl Geek X. And I'm Gretchen, COO of Girl Geek X. And I'm Rachel, the producer of this podcast. Today, this episode's all about learning. We hear all the time at Girl Geek Dinners that women are looking to learn new things. They're asking how to do that, how to do that best. Do you do it on the job, off the job? To me, learning means narcolepsy. I remember sleeping through every class at Cal. And nowadays, I love listening to podcasts while driving in traffic or listening to a YouTube economics lecture while doing something like washing dishes or cleaning to make up for the fact that I don't plan to ever go to business school. Yeah, for me, learning is basically a necessity no matter how I get it, because when you're in tech or you're an engineer, you are out of date very, very quickly. What about you, Gretchen? I think I'm one of those, like, read all the books and take classes, especially taking classes because I like the the structure. It helps me not procrastinate, but I'm definitely a go find those things that way outside of work for kind of extended learning. I am definitely a learner for learning's sake. I just love to take in new information. And for things like starting a career as a podcast producer, I've had to do a lot of independent learning outside of the workplace. So today we'll be diving into topics like where learning happens, how to fit learning into your day-to-day, and how to hack your brain to learn new things. How do you know when you need to learn something new? I guess this is like, by necessity, right? When you start seeing the signals from people where you're like, these are the things that you learn because no one else is doing them. I think it's different for people that work in bigger companies because it's more clear what those things are, or you have a review process that will constantly tell you what you need to improve on. So when you're in a smaller startup, you always have to like just keep your ears open and try to hear from your colleagues or customers about what are the shortcomings that you have so that you can address them. I find when I'm getting bored at a job that I tend to start taking classes or start looking at different things. Like I find that there's some part of my intellectual stimulation that I need to go get from somewhere else, whether that's like taking a class in city college or signing up for some crazy workshop somewhere that just will completely take me out of my comfort zone. Yeah. And I mean, there's always like great reading resources too. I always ask people for book recommendations, and I most recently was reading The Hard Thing About Hard Things again, because I really like the takeaways from that, especially when I'm going through like difficult decision-making situations at work. How about you, Angie? I've learned a lot by reading books that have been referred to me, also reading about other amazing women. For example, in the last year, I read about the Molly Bloom story, which I thought was very interesting about how she kept trying to stay relevant in her business. I'm always asking people what podcasts they listen to, what newsletters they subscribe to, how do they get their news? How do they get their learning to kind of make sure I'm doing the best I can to learn aside from occasionally watching some business economics, YouTube videos. I've been really listening to a lot of podcasts that are tech related and tech news and like interviewing tech leaders, like Masters of Scale has been a really good learning for me as well. Do you all listen to anything on the go or 
audiobooks, anything like that? I listen to so many podcasts just because I do consider myself a lifelong learner and I love to learn. One thing that I learned about recently is kind of the difference between learning just for learning's sake versus learning with intention. Because mm. when I think about learning and approach it, it's not all specifically tied to my career. Yeah. I think it was interesting. You were talking about listening to podcasts that are specific to tech. Like I listen to so many random things that have like (laughs) nothing to do with my work, but I still think that's valuable. Just like the process of learning. What do you think about that? Like having intention behind learning. I think that's great because when I'm like trying to learn a new programming language or anything new in technology, I find that I learn best when I know that I'm trying to build a project or make something and I'm learning for that purpose, I definitely pick it up much faster. How about you, Anji? I definitely think it's very smart to think of it as learning with intentionality. I, on a side note, what I thought of immediately was like, sometimes we get our inspiration in the oddest places. And I find that like watching something like the West Wing now has actually been one of the more illuminating things that I've done. And it's like, you know, watching the West Wing isn't something you would tell someone to go learn, (laughs) but you learn so much by watching the scenarios you learn about with American work culture. And as someone who like was a first generation immigrant, you're like, okay, like I I get it now. Like you understand things more, things people say, why they do what they do. Um, It makes imposter syndrome seem less scary. Um, So yeah, I think learning comes from all different unexpected places. I mean, I agree with Sukrutha on kind of if I if I'm trying to learn something with intentionality, then having a way to put that into practice right away is helpful. But then kind of tying back to what Rachel was saying, and I think we might agree on this, is that sometimes I go learn something brand new that's like for no freaking reason other than to take me out of like I went and took a taiko drumming like a Japanese drumming class because it was just so far outside of (laughs) anything I'd ever done also I'm a terrible drummer if anyone's wondering you will not be coming to one of my shows anytime soon but it's also like it's something so different that you have to put all of your attention into learning that one thing and while I'm putting all of that attention into that one thing I can't think about all the other crap um and so it freshens me to like sort of go back and tackle the the other problems that I have so we're like not necessarily learning, but we're like optimizing for our future learning mm-hmm. or just like optimizing for your brain being fresh enough to like absorb the information that you're trying to take in right now. Right. right. We do need breaks. I do find that like sometimes when you're just like working on a really hard problem, you need to take those like those steps outside your usual realm. Yeah. Yeah. You're teaching your brain how to learn. This topic about learning is so fitting right now because we're always competing with ourselves or with the situation around us right so you want to be doing your best and you're wanting to put yourself in a situation where you're constantly either learning or growing this learning topic came up at one of our elevate panels we had a learning and development expert who previously worked at facebook minji wong talk about being intentional and learning So in my 13 plus years of of experience, having worked at various tech companies, e-commerce companies, retail, and and various industries and sectors, I've managed several leadership programs and experiences with high-performing individuals. And in my conversations with them, you know, what do you want to do? What do you want to be? 
oftentimes the response I'd get is, uh, you know, I just want to develop these specific skills or I want to be able to explore, kind of learn and develop myself in my career. I never, not never, but I rarely actually had a response that, that would, would let me know, hey, this is who I want to be and this is where I want to go. And it's super important to realize that and recognize that because if you don't have that end goal or that end destination, anything and everything you do may not necessarily contribute to to that end goal. Now, I realize nothing is ever static. And in fact, things are dynamic. Things can change tomorrow or even yesterday. But again, highlighting the importance of having an end in mind, knowing that that can change is, is, is very important. When we think about this learning journey, Oftentimes, and, and in my background, having spent 13 plus years in leadership development and learning and organizational development, I oftentimes hear people say, oh, I need to develop this skill. Let me go to this training and then I'll be cured and I'll be healed. The, the reality is a lot of our learning, 70% of our learning actually occurs on the job. And that's through those stretch assignments. That's through the cross-functional work. That's through being thrown a new project that you have very little experience having, having really managed through and learning literally in the trenches. 20% of learning actually occurs through conferences like this, where we can hear from amazing and incredible women in the field and where we can learn and develop community and connection from each other. It's also through coaching and mentoring. It's interesting that Minju says 70% of learning happens on the job. Has that been your experience? I agree with that. Like, I definitely saw, like, myself, I felt like I got better at my job from the skills I picked up at work, right? So you can't learn everything in in a classroom, but you learn practical um, skills that you will need just by doing some of it, doing some of the work. What did you, what do you think, Gretchen? Um, I think I'm definitely in experiential learner right like I'm I'm better if I'm definitely one of those like start in the middle kind of people and then I go back and read the directions if I haven't figured it out I absolutely think that a lot of the learning happens on the job from learning new ways to do things from other people but also there's a fair amount of work that goes in after work trying to just find the new things to learn I'm going to different events to try to uh, figure out what's coming. And um, definitely there's maybe 70% on the job and then uh, more after work. I think what's always attracted me to startups is that there's the opportunity to learn so many things and to get your hand in so many things to get in over your head all the time because there's not really anyone on the team who knows how to do something. So anyone, you know, it just has to be done. And so there's a lot of learning that can happen there. And so for me, like sort of that, you know, get thrown in the deep end and figure out if you can swim kind of learning is really um, the kind that like motivates me. I feel like when you're working in tech, your skills become out of date so quickly, right? Like, and you have to like relearn something new. So I find that just the stuff that you learn on the job is just learning how to learn. And that to me, for sure, is more valuable than anything you could um, pick up anywhere else. So that's, it's been similar for me where I've learned more on the job. I think that's, you know, Definitely one way that I do see a value in in seeking additional bits of knowledge outside of work of 
taking a class or even considering like going back to school, I think it's, it's always a really good mix, right? You can't get everything from, from one source. I find that when you're in a larger company, there's so many organized trainings and organized programs, but there's also resources now that you could take advantage of outside of work if you work at a smaller company that doesn't have these programs. But I suppose if you were more intentional about it, like Minji's mentioned, if you knew exactly what you are learning it for, it'll make it easier to identify what these resources should be because I feel like now there's so many resources, just picking which one is going to work best for you is what's the first challenge. So being really, really specific about what your end goal is once you've acquired this skill. Squared advice. I'm a terrible learner. I've never been good at school. <gasps> She's lying, people. She's <laughs> lying in podcast land. <laughs> I much more of a, I just by learning by doing, I suppose is the best thing I could do is finding opportunities to either say, I'm going to write three times a week as I did at Women 2.0 or saying, I'm going to write one blog post a week or a month is more realistic. Um, and by doing things over time, you get better. I think... There's sort of the different sources, right? When you're trying to gain a skill, then a class is a really great thing, right? Like way, way back, you know, in the last century where you had to like go learn Excel and Word <laughs> and access, go look it up on Google. It was really cool. Now there's Airtable. There was sort of that sort of skill gaining that you do early in your career, right? And then there's sort of like the management training, which Maybe you can get from a classroom, but I really find, you know, Angie talks about reading people's biographies and stuff. And I feel like I've learned more, like I read Jack Welsh's book, like way, way back. And it still influences me. I mean, it was, it's been like 20 years since I read that book and it still sort of influences how I think about people um, and managing things and sort of how things interrelate. But I think it's different for everybody, sort of the type of thing that it'll, that you can tap into that'll resonate with you, particularly when you're trying to learn about being a better manager, which is essentially learning about being like more about yourself. For like more technical learning, I do find it helpful if they're like, you know, the online courses, I can go back, even if it's something that I learned in, um, in college, I can go back and, you know, go through those problems again. So there are various resources now that sort of make the classroom experience a little bit easier because you could go back and learn. But I still feel like that you have to go out of your way to get more information and learn more and improve. I suppose if you do have a full-time job, balancing what you're trying to learn with that can be difficult. In our last Elevate conference, Sophia Pearl did talk about, you know, how she does the balancing act between learning and you know, life, basically balancing it with her day to day. She's a director of product at Oath and has formerly worked at Yahoo and eBay. I think we all have learning methods that really resonates well with us, meaning when we learn through a certain method, the content like sticks a lot. And if it's something uh, similar to what I go through, that's usually like reading a book or taking a class. But I would love everyone to open up your minds and think about, look, you could either wait for that perfect moment where you dedicate a lot of time and maybe energy to do your preferred learning method, 
or you could actually, I would say get your second or third best learning method. Think about like finding opportunities where the learning method meshes more well with like your day-to-day life instead of finding that perfect moment where you have to dedicate a lot of time to learn about something. So that's just something to keep in mind. So I'll give you an example. The one that actually sticks out the most is Overdrive, which is like a free version of Audible. So Audible is the monthly subscription that you get on Amazon. You pay $15 a month for access to a bunch of audiobooks. Overdrive is actually connected to your local library. So if you don't have a library card already, I encourage all of you to go get a local library card and then hook it up to Overdrive. And what Overdrive allows you to do is to download eBooks or download audiobooks for free. And I actually did a sort of a side-by-side comparison between what I could find at my library and what I could find at Audible. And I found about 70 to 80% of the books that I was personally interested in, I could find for free on Overdrive. So consider leveraging apps to help make it easier to consume information. In conjunction with leveraging apps, you want to think about what devices you want to be using and for what, when you would use those devices. So in the morning, I have an Echo Dot, I have two waterproof speakers, and I have an iPhone horror. This is in the shower. So I don't do this all the time, but I have been known to watch YouTube videos of people lecturing or different workshops. I have it pressed up to the glass of my shower door, and then I listen to the talks while I'm in the shower. So if you think about it, what, what times do you have where you could actually listen to content. So for me in the shower, I'm spending like 15, 20 minutes in the shower. And then you could read the rest driving and and, and in the evenings. In the evenings, it's great for me because I'm actually not multitasking as much. But after, you know, I've put my kids to bed and later in the evenings, that's when I find time to meet with people who are more flexible in terms of meeting late evenings. So I have my laptop and phone. So I usually do hangouts and so forth. Have any of you ever had trouble balancing learning with your day-to-day? The word balance kind of throws me off because I imagine like a world full of balance where I get to go to my job and go to yoga and a spin class. But I don't see a problem balancing things. I see more just jumping in and like if there's a problem at hand, working to find the solution. If there's a project that needs to be done or if there's like performance management that needs to be done, like just doing those tasks. But um, the issue of balance has it been something on my mind, on my radar? I think I've definitely struggled. And I think the times that I'm struggling most in my job are when I'm not like carving out that time for learning, whether it's learning, you know, a new skill or just some random thing, or whether it's sort of reading a book, like a management book that'll help me sort of step back from my day to day and just get out of the weeds and see things from like a, a higher elevation or just learning more about something that I'm struggling with that's like very directly relevant to work. But certainly the times when I'm most overwhelmed, a great thing for me to do is to go use a different part of my brain. Mm -hmm. I can relate to that for sure. Is there anything that you heard from Sophia's suggestions that you think would be helpful in fitting learning into your daily life? I think it. For me, one thing that came up, like I totally get shoving all the things in and trying to like sort of maximize, you know, a convenient learning schedule. But when I was hearing Sophia talk about doing it in the shower, I was also thought about (laughs) like having 
like while we do this stuff and we try to fit learning into everything, like we don't leave time to be alone with ourselves and our own thoughts. Right. And so for me, like the shower is sort of that time. And, and, but I think wherever you want to do your learning, but always just keep in mind that like, it doesn't always have to be this input, like from outside that like being alone with your own thoughts is also like a super valuable use of time. Yeah, I love how she has like different styles of learning depending on time of day. Mm -hmm. And to me, like I realize now that I have something like that where it wasn't intentional, but it's just like, you know, listening to something that's more audio in the morning, but like being able to watch stuff after work. So that sort of thing definitely like spoke to me. Absolutely. The timing thing was really interesting. Like, absolutely. I drink coffee in the morning, therefore I can do certain things in the morning versus at the end of the day. But you're like a night worker person. (laughs) She's like slacking me at 1030. I'm like, I don't care. (laughs) This is not my learning time. (laughs) I think there's different times for everything. At late night, I like to write good blog posts. Mm -hmm. And during the early day, I get to like do more of the things on my list of things to do. Yeah. And also not talk to people. Angie does not like people in the morning. Mm -mm. (laughs) Yeah, just hearing everyone, you know, talk about learning and the various resources we can find, it makes me think that this topic is going to be really, really valuable for our listeners, too, because I'm sure everybody who's going to be listening is going to, you know, have their own methods of learning and their own resources that, you know, are always great to share. So once you've actually set aside that time or figured out how you're going to work learning into your day to day, how do you approach learning things that are kind of outside of your comfort zone? I find that I'm more open to learning when I convince myself I'm going to be amazing at it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, I'm going to be great. I'm going to ace this. And so, for example, I redid this algorithms class on Coursera and I traditionally had struggled with it because it's a pretty tough class and the turnaround time for the assignments is really really short so you know I just had to motivate myself and coach myself to feel like okay this is time I'm going to set aside regularly and I convinced myself that you know I had to look forward to it because it was going to be awesome getting a good grade on it so I found that I'm just not open to learning when I feel like I'm not going to do a good job So kind of both ways, just opening your mind up to being ready for learning is what I try. That's an awesome idea about pumping up yourself to be excited to learn. Um, I have not had to do that myself, but I don't learn as much, so. I'm going to punch you for saying that. (laughs) Like, it's so not true. Like, you spend so much time poking around, learning about little, little things. Like, you're not even allowed to say that anymore. Little things, but it's like, I don't take, I think the problem is I don't take a class. No, you spend all day learning a ton of things. There's different kinds of learning. I guess, yeah, I've just spent a lot of time pecking around the internet and figuring out what I need to read. So it doesn't feel like learning, just kind of like constant exploration. So I guess you've turned it into fun, which is why your mind is open to learning. (laughs) Which is why you don't need Sucrutha's pep talks. (laughs) You're just already into it. Although now you need her pep talk to convince yourself you're awesome. Yes. (laughs) I think I, I mean, I, I need structure. And so I specifically like do set things up in a way where I have to go. Or I have to finish something. Like, I just took a few short courses at 
City College, they have a whole like diversity and social justice certification. And so I purposely took the courses for credit, even though I'm not like looking to, and they encourage you not to take them for credit. Um, but I was like, I will put so much more into this because of course I have to have an A, of course, like <laughs> nothing else is an option. So I'm going to spend even more time doing it. But like to secrete those things, you know, some of these classes, like I took the racism and sexism one and those like required me to pump myself up in a different way of like this is going to be hard and challenging but you're going to come out knowing a lot more than you did going in but you're going to be so fucking uncomfortable like the whole time that you're there um and being open to that and so like a different kind of pep talk um to open myself up to the learning yeah I've definitely had experience with how much the way that you're thinking about what you're going to learn affects your ability to actually learn that thing. Like I believe for my whole life that I am not good at math. So that just really sets me back from approaching any math. I think, yeah, you, your brain has so much power. And when you are really thinking about the mindset that you're bringing to learning, it makes such a big difference. I think it's interesting, even Angie, how you don't think of Things as learning, even though it's definitely learning, that might actually be better for you. Your mindset is just like, oh, I'm just poking around the internet. Yeah, it doesn't feel like work or something. Yeah, Yeah. it lets you actually take in that information a lot better than if you had been saying like, oh, I need to go learn this thing. Let me sit down and do it. It's more of like a natural part of your process. So I think, yeah, the mindset that you bring into learning makes a huge difference. And that really ties into... um, Something that was shared at our event with Postmates. So we were at Postmates for a real dinner. We heard from Christine Song, who is a software engineer, and she talked about hacking her brain to realize that she could become an engineer from a philosophy major in college. So when you look up learning how to learn on the internet, you get like a lot of really cool techniques to hack your brain. But I think that the precursor to all of these learning how to learn techniques is the idea that you have to change your relationship with your brain. So I started learning how to code about a year and a half ago. And when I had first started learning how to code, I came from a purely non-technical background. I was working in the restaurant industry for about five years before this. And that entire time, nothing that I did was had immediately transferable technical skills over to coding. So when I decided, oh, I want to learn how to code, this is kind of what my brain told me. The moment it thought of engineering, it thought immediately of... Math. And historically, my, ex- my experience with math is not the best. And so the, m- the moment I associated anything with math, my brain kind of went into a haze and I started thinking, oh, incompetent. Because you never in your past have ever been good at math. So why do you think you can do this now? Which immediately leads to, I can't do this. And when I realize that I can't do something, I like to default to three different modes to alleviate my stress, which is either one, screw this, I'm going to move to the woods and live <laughs> off the land. It's a very real feel, guys. I'm not, I'm not kidding right now. Or I'm going to meet up with friends or I'm going to go on a Netflix binge show. <laughs> but up until this point, I have always thought like what my brain told me, like it had the culmination of all of my experiences that I've ever experienced in life. And so if my brain's going to tell me I can't do something, it's probably right, right? Wrong. Your brain is a tool. It's not something that can tell you what it is that you can and cannot do. What you do with your brain is you learn how to learn, which is why there are so many cool techniques about like hacking your brain, thinking about like the ways that you can hack your long-term and short-term memory using mnemonics to remember things, 
So I tried to begin. I was like, all right, look, what I'm doing right now isn't really working. So I'm going to try and equate engineering with something that I'm very familiar with. And up until this point in my life, um, in college, I majored in philosophy and my emphasis was in logic. And logic, it looks just like math. You do proofs with like Greek symbols and like, like variables and you do proofs much in the way that mathematicians do proof. But once I realized that my fear of math was completely irrational, I ended up learning more about computer programming. And now I'm a backend engineer here in Postmates. The things that you think that you are capable of doing, if you keep thinking those things and you give power to that thought and you let dictate your actions, it'll become true. But if you are able to take a step back and realize that isn't the definition of who you are and you can do whatever you want because you do with your brain what you wish to do, then you can, like me, go from a completely non-technical career into being an engineer in the field. Yeah, I definitely think when I like shut my mind to opportunities, I'm obviously not going to be as receptive to learning or improving. Um, and this is really fascinating to me how she, you know, went through this whole mind game, basically, to convince herself of why the emphasis being on logic would then help her be better at engineering. I find that this is probably something that a lot of young girls must go through because it starts so young in middle school and high school where they feel like they're not the right fit. So this is really an interesting perspective. What did you think, Gretchen? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there's sort of the two parts, right? Like sort of how she... um, hacked her brain to develop the the capacity for this learning. But the other part is sort of the stories we tell ourselves. And so even, you know, Angie saying earlier, like, I'm not much of a learner and we're about, you know, I threatened her with violence and Sukrutha, you know, we're just like, no, that's so not true. But I think that's maybe the deeper part of this is like, how do we get in our own way and keep ourselves from learning things just based on, or, you know, even... Rachel saying, you know, I believed I wasn't good at math, so I wasn't good at math. And questioning even just those baseline assumptions that we have about who we are and what we're good at. And have we challenged that, any of it recently? I love math. (laughs) Just tell yourself that every day. Math is so great. And you don't have to be great at math to do things that you thought needed a math, a good math background, right? I had an uh, English and social welfare degree, and I, my first jobs were in engineering. And I never thought that would hold me back. But it's also because I had experience as a web designer and a webmaster, and people tied the dots for me. And they're like, oh, yeah, you could totally be an engineer. And I was like, really? I thought I designed websites. They're like, no, you can do engineering. So I'm, I'm pretty grateful for people for making that connection for me mm-hmm. to get those jobs. I think that there's also a variety of things, right? You might think you're not good at something just because it was not taught to you the right way or the resources didn't just work for you. I know a few people who I work with now who didn't actually do that great in their first computer classes. I know I it took me a while, but I definitely gave myself a lot of chances. Be patient with yourself, I guess, is, is what I would say. Because for sure, like when you hear the story about, you know, math being really hard for Christine. And she says, you know, everything, all of the Greek symbols made it complicated for her. I remember feeling that way too. But I think just staying positive helped me. I think going in with the expectation that it's going to be hard is probably a good good one. But like no one ever did anything that was easy. And everything we learned, a lot of things we learned are very, very hard. 
So, but also like, you know, not starting anything without first questioning, like, why am I learning this? Because I have to, because someone else said I should, because I have this idea that something requires it, right? Because if you really are like, like no one enjoys doing something that they really suck at, right? And then also, do I really need to know how to do this? Like there was a really short time while I was a founder where it was like, I'm technical enough of understanding how everything goes together. What's a coding language versus like whatever else, right? But I thought for a while, like, oh, maybe I should just like try this Python class online. And then it's like, as a founder, is this where I'm really going to add value in the company? Or is it all the things that I'm already good at? And I'll maybe just leave this to the engineers. But I'd sort of subscribe to this idea in Silicon Valley, like everyone needs to learn how to code. Like, actually, no, you don't. That is a Not everybody point. needs to. That's yeah, point. that's like, um, I struggle with this. You know, do you try to improve your weaknesses? Or do you like, do you, should you be focusing on strengthening your strengths? Right? Like, it's a fine line. Right? I think so. And I think early in your career, you should be trying to sharpen your weaknesses because you don't know if there are weaknesses or just a, like a knowledge gap, right? Totally. But as you get older, then it's like, you know what? I've always sucked at that. I'm never really going to be good at it. And I'm in a position where I can hire people on my team who are awesome at that. And then they can excel at it and I don't have to touch it and everybody's happier, right? Right. Totally. So Angie, what are you going to take away from this little time we spent talking about learning? I'm taking away that learning happens all the time. And it's not just taking a class. It's being aware and taking in inputs throughout the day. And to surround yourself with people that are able to help you see that. I feel like for me, I learned that, you know, everything is difficult for someone you know, there's always <laughs> going to be someone better at something than you. And you're always going to be better than someone at that same thing. So, you know, keep your mind open. Um, and that's when most learning will happen, I think. I think I'm going to be thinking about, I mean, Christine's story really struck me. And it's like, what are the stories? Like, is there another story that I'm telling myself about something that I'm not good at that's keeping me from... Or, or something else about it, right? Or that's not an open path for me. And really be like, okay, what foundation is that assumption based on? Right. Rachel, what do you think? I think my takeaway is I should go take a math class. And it's <laughs> not too yes. late for me. Yes. <laughs> Maybe that can be our next conversation. Yeah. <laughs> next podcast. Rachel's learning on math. Yeah. Check in <laughs> on how that's going. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Tune in next time. This podcast is produced by me, Rachel Jones. To learn more about Girl Geek X or buy tickets to our next dinner, visit girlgeek.io. You can also find full videos and transcripts from the events we discussed today. If you're interested in hosting a Girl Geek dinner, email sponsors at girlgeek.io. This Girl Geek X podcast was brought to you by Postmates. Postmates helps people unlock the best of their cities and their lives with an insanely reliable on-demand anything network. Launched in 2011, Postmates pioneered the on-demand delivery movement in the U.S. by offering delivery from restaurants and stores previously only available offline. The company now operates in 550 U.S. cities as well as Mexico and provides access to over 200,000 merchants.